This episode of the Expat Cast is sponsored by BetterHelp. As expats, immigrants, foreigners, people living abroad, we face plenty of challenges outside the norm that might sometimes feel like a little bit too much, especially when you add on to that a global pandemic that separates you from friends and family and isolates you in your new country. So yeah, I can understand why some of y'all might be interested in seeking therapy. BetterHelp is a great option for just that. They are an online service that connects you with a qualified therapist with whom you can do sessions via video, via telephone, or even via chat. I actually have several expat friends here in Germany who use BetterHelp for their therapy. One fellow American found it important that her therapist understands her U.S. background. For another, her insurance just didn't cover therapy, so she was going to have to pay out of pocket either way, and BetterHelp can actually be a bit cheaper than in-person therapy. One major benefit is how quick and easy BetterHelp is. Finding therapy through the German system can mean months of paperwork, a language barrier, a cultural barrier, all things that can make an already overwhelmed feeling even worse. But with BetterHelp, you actually get matched within 48 hours of signing up, and then you can get right to diving into the issues that brought you there in the first place. To learn more and sign up yourself, head on over to betterhelp.com slash expatcast. And as a special offer to the expatcast listeners, you can actually save 10% on your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash expatcast. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. This week's interview is a real full circle moment for me because my guest is one of the people that inspired me to make this podcast in the first place. Her name is Esther, and she has such an impressive and varied background. She's studied a lot of different subjects that that somehow work together in this really amazing, powerful way. Esther says it best herself, so I'm going to let her share more about her own professional experience in a minute here. She was someone who was so integral to my concept of what Freiburg is. Not only did I meet her really early on in moving here, but she is someone who was always really active in the international community. So I always ran into her in the hallway at the German American Center. She was on a lot of panels and did a lot of events talking about her various expertises. For instance, some of you might remember a couple of years ago, right after the murder of George Floyd, I hosted a panel discussion with a bunch of Black Americans who live in Freiburg to get their reactions, to talk generally about their own lives and experiences as Black Americans. And Esther was on that panel, and she was able to talk about it as both an individual and professionally through her background in criminal law. Esther also has a wonderful daughter named Nyla, who was on the show last season. So I'm going to link to Nyla's episode in the show notes. Now Esther lives back in the U.S. And I have to say it's weird being in Freiburg, being involved in the international community and not having her here. Though, of course, she's always with us from afar. And I'm so glad that she was able to partake in this episode of the podcast. She's someone I just respect the hell out of and admire the hell out of, and it was really amazing to get to hear a bit more of her story. And one thing that really stood out to me in this conversation is 
it's not just one story, it's her stories. She's one of these people who's lived so many lives and she's still young. She's got many more lives to live and I can't wait to see what she does next. But in the meantime, let's hear about what she's done thus far. I hope you enjoy this interview with Esther. My name is Esther Urban Sandlin. I am in Indianapolis, Indiana in the U.S. I've been living here for a little bit over a year and a half, not even two years. I just moved here from Germany, where I stayed for almost six years. Because you're from Indianapolis originally, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. I had North Carolina in mind too, but I think that was later. Yes. So I went to law school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and stayed less than a year after graduating from law school and moved to Germany from there. I hope I don't embarrass you, but I just have to, I have to say for a minute that I'm actually just really excited to be interviewing you. We overlapped in Freiburg. And I think you were one of the first people I met in Freiburg when I moved there. And you've just been this whole time such a core part of my Freiburg experience. And I remember a couple of years ago when I was starting the podcast and I was thinking about like what what inspired me to make the show was was conversations I was having at the German American Center with various people who would come through the door, including yourself and your daughter. <laughs> I remember thinking like, yeah, it'd be really cool if, if I could interview someone like Esther one day. But I, I never asked you for a while because I was like, no, no, no. I, she's so incredible. And I really want to be like ready for it. <laughs> oh, this sounds like prom. I'm so happy you asked me. Exactly, exactly. You were you were at events, you were in the library, you were in social things. And it's crazy to think that you're now not actually in Freiburg anymore. Because to me, you're like a cornerstone of the community here. But okay, I'll stop gushing about you <laughs> for a moment. <laughs> and go back to my, I guess, initial question, which is how Germany even entered your life. So you, you left Indianapolis for, as you said, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That's already a pretty big move. Going even further east is, is an even bigger move all the way across the ocean. So how did that pan out? It was one of those things where I really learned the value of people and making your desires and wants known in life and to people. So for example, in law school, I had a lot of great experience meeting people from all over the world. I'm so glad I got out of my hometown and went to law school in another state and a law school that had so much access to the world. It was really worth um, the investment and <clears throat> the student loans. Um, <laughs> one one person in particular was a, a, a great inspiration to me. She was a student at the law school and uh, became uh, kind of like a, a mentee. One of the things we did once I graduated, we would just meet up in this area called the Rotunda, which is in the middle of the law school, a very social area. And we would just talk. And one Monday, we talked about where we would love to work. And she was Syrian and German. She also had this amazing experience working in different countries and living in different countries. So I was talking about how I always wanted to live in Italy. I went there so many times as a kid 
and loved it. I had friends there. I loved the country. And so so this was a Monday. We were talking about this. And she sends me a text message on Wednesday saying, hey, I have a friend in Germany that's looking for someone to teach. Do you want to move to Germany? <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Is this a joke? Am I being punked? Uh, for, for the young kids out there, punked was the show where they just play, play pranks on people. Um, <laughs> I said, well, why not? I was at this point where I didn't know what I was going to do after law school. I had started a research assistant position, passed the bar, but I I didn't have a job, a full-time job. I had my daughter, uh, Nyla, who was starting high school, and I did not want her to go without because, you know, if you've met her, she likes nice things and nice food, and I, I give that to her. <laughs> And I wanted to make sure she had the best experience in life. And coming out of school with a lot of student debt, being in a new state, it was not easy. So I'm like, I'm still not quite acclimated to North Carolina. Why don't I just go to Germany? Fortunately, my daughter had visited Germany and Europe that summer while I was studying for the bar. She met friends and she had a good time. So I was thinking, okay, I could probably sell this as an experience to her because it wouldn't be like she wouldn't know anybody in the country. I said, yes, I checked in with my daughter about it. I was going to go anyway, but I just had to make sure I wasn't going to get, you know, a, a full on revolt from, <laughs> from the teenager. <laughs> and I contacted the person in Germany who happened to be a, a classmate or former classmate of mine. We talked, it was a teaching position in Tübingen. It just kind of fell in line with my my background in education. I used to work in health education. I had so many ideas of how I could design this class. The inspiration clicked. I typed up a proposal and I had the job, I think, by Sunday. So we're talking oh. about mere days. Everything aligned. This was in December. So I was in Germany by April 1st, on April 1st, with my daughter and two very large suitcases. This is wild even more wild considering the fact that like as we both now know having lived in Germany typically from a job being listed to you getting the job is five months <laughs> yeah well this was this was a fellowship so I think the thing that helped me out and again this is just where everything aligned was that they were on a deadline to fill this position to fill this fellowship for the next year because of the semester it, it, it was a really telling experience because usually the department worked with a particular professor at the law school to select the student. And this professor, he actually was my torch professor, really sweet guy, but he always picked his research assistant. And so nobody ever really knew about this except the research assistant who he picked. Mm -hmm. So he just happened to be on sabbatical. They didn't have anyone to make the, the selection. So the person who was in the fellowship was asking people he knew, and I came up in, in, in that conversation. And I don't think I would have gotten that opportunity if that professor was not on sabbatical. Just makes me think of all this somewhat cheesy Instagram style life advice of like, you just manifest things and then it just happens and like, just put it into the universe. But like, sometimes you hear things and you're like, 
okay, maybe it's kind of true. Like every everything's just aligning and like pulling you yeah. into this exact position like it, it was meant to be. Well, I think the other thing is the more you talk about it with people, well, first of all, putting it out there into the universe is also having conversation and telling other people because you don't know where those opportunities are going to come from. Nobody just says, hey, I have this exact thing that you want because I read your brain, right? Like people have to know what it is you want. And the people that have an interest in you and your dreams, if they know what those dreams are, it makes it easier for for them to say, oh my gosh, I know this one thing that Nicole has been talking about, or we have this conversation about, somebody just mentioned it. Let me tell her about this opportunity. Personally, you have to be in a place of flexibility. The more flexible one is being open to new experiences, being open to experiences they didn't really want, it makes it easier to have new things happen and even more unexpected things happen. Because remember, I wanted to live in Italy. I could have said, uh, thank you for the text message, but uh, this is not Italy. I don't want to go. So the cheesiness of that advice becomes more practical because you do have to put it out. You have to tell somebody and then you have to be ready to say, okay, this experience is in front of me. It may not be the exact experience I want, but it's an experience that's close enough. So like Germany is, you know, close enough to Italy. So I could hop over to Italy if I wanted to, (laughs) which I did a lot, by the way. I do have to say, so Nyla was on the show uh, last season and I re-listened to that episode before we talked. And... When she was telling this bit of of your joint story, shall we say, she presented it as my mom said she was going to Germany and I could come with or I could not. (laughs) Well, you know, in theory, that's true. But remember, like I always had her in mind. But of course, you know, the, the eyes and the experience of a teenager is different than that of a parent. However, I think she was correct in the notion that I had already made up my mind that I wanted to go and I wanted her to go with me. Now she could always opt out. And remember she said, well, yeah, you can stay with your dad if you want. I knew she wasn't going to do that. And she (laughs) knew she wasn't going to do that, but it was always an option to her, you know? So it wasn't like she didn't have the option to stay with her dad. It was like, all right, stay with my dad in Indianapolis, Indiana, with people I grew up with my entire life or moved to this whole new country that I visited, had a great time and no friends and get to do something a little bit new. And my, my child is so intelligent and smart and brave and courageous that I really do think that she was just as ready for something new as I was. For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's also just totally her humor, right? Definitely. <laughs> So then you guys do it. And Tübingen is a lot of things, but it isn't. It's not Italy. And it's also not like Munich or any of the places that people might have like heard of. What was it like for you? What was your first impression? And how did that change or not change over time? Okay, so first of all, if you know me as a friend, you know that I love the grocery store. (laughs) I love grocery shopping because I love cooking. We arrived Easter weekend. Oh, no. So the day we arrived was a Saturday. We essentially had one day 
to figure out the grocery stores and get everything we needed before they closed for numerous amount of days during the Easter season. And it was raining. My first experience was like, I'm not going to eat because I just can't get <laughs> to the grocery store and it's not open even on a regular day. I understand the holiday, but a regular day? Right. It was quite the the shock there. And Tubigan is a small town and my daughter and I came from Carborough, North Carolina and Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which are also small towns. So that wasn't so bad, but it's just that the differences between businesses and even the language, we learned a few words before getting there. That was a little bit much to, to take in, especially after such a long flight and a new scary situation for both of us. Yeah. Grocery stores in Germany, it's such an experience <laughs> in and of itself. It and then it's not as personable in many ways as grocery shopping in the US or maybe in some other countries. It's more like business, right? You get in, you get what you need. And the lady scans your items in rapid fire and you got to just yeah. somehow catch them at the other end of the aisle. And, and so, there's no, how are you doing today? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> None of that. It's as simple as hello, you know. And it was packed. I mean, we were we were near a Lidl. It's that model where you get all of these things, you bring your own bag, you bring it to the front. It's very small and compact, so it only has the the basics, not a lot of new or gourmet creative items as a traditional grocery store. And then, okay, so I think your tubing in days, was that a year? Yeah, it was a year. So the fellowship was one year. Um, it in, included teaching for the, the law the law faculty at the university. You said you were feeling a lot of inspiration when you first heard about the class. I'm curious how that was in the experience of it. Yeah, so, so I first started teaching as a teenager, like teaching Sunday school lesson, so teaching kids. And then also I'd been involved in a number of programs for presenting and acting, numerous church plays. And one of the things I quickly learned with teaching was that you're presenting information as if you're performing, because it's important for people to understand what you're saying. Just like when you're teaching, you've got to be able to present it in a way that people can understand if you want them to retain it. And then as it relates to engaging people, you want to be open. And and this is also something I learned a lot by performing. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, Nyla, I was trying to find a job. I just graduated from high school. I was 18 years old, just trying to just get through life. At that time, um, when I was pregnant with, with Nyla, my dad died. Actually, he died on the day I found out I was having a girl. And so it was also a very rough time for me. And uh, I found this job at the health department in health education. It was just through a temp agency. And the job just turned into this opportunity for me to learn and share what I knew about health or what the department knew about health. And I quickly fell into it um, naturally. The program that I worked in was all about teen pregnancy. I had a, a chance to to connect with a lot of teenagers that were also going through a rough time and I could share my experience, but in a way that just didn't make them feel terrible about themselves because a lot of that is very difficult when you're a single mother, especially being African-American single mother in the time where there's so many stereotypes about 
teen moms and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Uh, telling someone about your experience in a way that they learn and can make their lives better, it, you know, it can be challenging without lecturing or preaching or whatnot. And so I took a lot of those lessons into just communicating any bits of information. Um, My undergraduate degree is visual communication, so I was able to add the design component to it. So fast forward to Germany, the thing that made me so excited about this course is that I had to teach criminal law, okay? So just like the eye rolling that comes with sex education classes, (laughs) when it comes to criminal law, you know, it's a very just dense and it can be a very terrible topic that a lot of people don't really want to address. And so one of the things I wanted to do was give people an experience. And another thing that helped with this um, was my degree had an emphasis in, in exhibit design and building experiences for people. So with this class, I wanted them to be able to do things to help them learn about the American criminal justice system but also feel like they could see it. So the class was Criminal Law, The American Experience, and I designed the class in a way to present information based upon what they were hearing in the news. As far as you had a lot of protests, you had television such as Law and Order, you know, these things are very popular even in Germany. And a lot of times people wonder, well, how similar are these TV shows and these things I'm seeing on the news to the American criminal justice system in reality? And so what I did is I designed the course for them to learn about the criminal justice system, but also play a part. So the class was divided into two major groups public defenders and prosecutors. Then we had like a mock election where they the students got to run for judge and prosecutor because in many states, uh, prosecutors are elected, judges are elected. They had to do campaign speeches. One class I even designed like little passports with activities in them, kind of like a little workbook so they could follow along. And I thought this was important because I learned a lot about language and the, the the challenges with language and teaching while I was there. And this was inspired by my quest to learn German. So I was like, <laughs> so what are these things that I'm not understanding about learning German that I can use in my class to help them with English, especially uh, vocabulary that's very specific to the legal field? So, you know, all of these ideas came together. Or they started while I was in the U.S. and I heard about this job, but they just started coming together. Like, I can build this experience, not just a class, but this environment where people who are not American or not familiar with the American criminal justice system can can be a part of it for 90 minutes. And it was so much fun. I mean, we even had a student who was campaigning, quote unquote, for a prosecutor sing as a part of his campaign speech, <laughs> blow everyone away. Of course he won. And then with the mock trial, I mean, just the way that these German students and students from other countries came and presented their arguments in, in our mock trial was just, it was just so much fun. And so naturally, and I say naturally because I know that I'm just a lot of fun. But um, <laughs> naturally, this, this class became so popular. I think at one point I had 100 students in the class. Um, the American Studies Department thought it was just so great. And people were talking about it that they wanted me to 
to to teach the class for them. And so the criminal law, the American experience, criminal law, it's had its own brand. It has its own blog now, you know. <laughs> it's called Crim Law TAE, the American experience. And it became these series of classes throughout my time in Germany where I taught about not just the criminal justice system, but politics, elections, revolutions, riots, you know, anything that was happening in the U.S., media, um, looking at how we see crime in America presented in movies. It, it just became this, this this thing. It was also very exhausting because I was at one point teaching four to five classes a year between Tübingen and Freiburg. But I had so much fun and I met so many great students. I would I would do it again. Not too soon. I still have some other lives to live, but <laughs> I would totally, totally do it again. Okay. Uh, we'll stick chronologically. So so somehow from Tübingen comes Freiburg. How did that happen? So again, it was it was me learning the lesson of making my intentions known. I wanted to stay. I saw that Nyla was doing well with meeting friends and building relationships. And, you know, at the same time, there were some really challenging moments that we had being away from home. I experienced the death of my cousin who overdosed. Another big reason we moved is because we just came from an area that experienced a lot of violence. And so um, a lot of the people I grew up with are no longer around because they were killed through gun violence or some tragedy that could have been avoided um, for many different reasons. Um, but a lot of these people were young. They're on, under 30. And I didn't want Nyla to have that experience where she looks back and everyone she went to high school with is either dead or in prison or in some particular situation that, you know, it's just unfortunate. My experience as it is, it's just, it, it is so difficult to be so familiar with death. And I think that's just a very, very real issue that comes with growing up in the U.S., especially in poor neighborhoods, especially in predominantly Black neighborhoods where you have a lot of gang violence, a lot of youth violence. Um, and I just didn't want her to have that experience. I want her to avoid that experience as much as possible. And so Germany was a safe way to do that. It was also going to be a difficult way to do that, but also a safe way. And I think the other thing was just access to education. Germany has a very different educational system. It has its challenges as well. But as it relates to college, you know, especially finishing law school with <laughs> a large amount of debt, yeah. um, I wanted her to get a unique educational experience that we didn't have to break the bank for or go into deeper debt. And so my, my thinking was that if I can get her educated in a different country, regardless as to whether she goes to college or not, she will have an educational experience that stands out by going to school in a foreign country. True. If that means I have to take a pay cut, which I did, you know, I made much, much, much less money in Germany as a research assistant than I make as a lawyer. But I think she has a chance for a very different life. Not to say better, because it did come with its own challenge, but different. And so um, I was looking for ways to do that. And then also I kept in mind my goals. I wanted to stay in this area of law 
my passion was intellectual property, which is why my course, even though it focused on criminal law, focused a lot on media, focused a lot on movies, music, and television. And uh, I wanted to stay in that, that realm. And I also had a very big interest in business. And so I was trying to figure out one way to bring all of those together in some sort of job or employment. A, a friend of mine who was a, he was either a postdoc or he was working on his PhD at the time. He was at a church we were attending in Tubingen, and he introduced me to this amazing woman who was a German attorney and she was working on her PhD. And I learned that, you know, I could get a PhD and get paid and stay close to these topics I'm passionate about, intellectual property and uh, corporations. And so I was telling everybody at the university, I want to stay, I want to get a PhD. How can I do this? How can I make this happen? I was asking just about everybody who would listen. (laughs) And uh, so finally, I had a number of professors and wonderful people help me get a proposal for a PhD thesis, and I needed funding. And then the head of my department, who studied at Max Planck in Freiburg, Um, just so happened to get this email again, you know, that's the text (laughs) message. It's the email about this program that was looking for researchers and, and, and especially it encouraged women to apply. And it was the research school for retaliation, mediation, and punishment. And I applied and I got the job and it was working at Max Planck and Freiburg at the Institute for International Foreign uh, Criminal Law. We packed our bags and we moved from Tübingen to to Freiburg. I I also had the opportunity to continue teaching at Tübingen while living in Freiburg. So during that first year of living in Freiburg, I took the the Flixbus down once a week uh, to teach this class. So I I was very much still living in in both places or at least um, being in both, both places that first year. I don't want to breeze over the Freiburg days, but I'm really curious about this decision to move back. So did the move back to the U.S. then have to do with the Ph.D. finishing or how did this how did you make this big decision? Okay, so let's be clear. When I moved away from Indiana, I said I was never coming back. So (laughs) I don't know if I believe that, but I knew that there was a lot about Indianapolis that I didn't like. And at the same time, I knew there is a lot about the world I didn't know. My family has always traveled and always moved, um, but I'm very close to family in, in the sense that I really appreciate my family and I really appreciate and admire uh, a lot of people in the, my family, especially my mom. That's a whole nother podcast. My mom is just <laughs> awesome and she's this, this genius um, that like nobody really knows how genius she is, but I mean she's this really smart woman, and she comes from a long line of really smart women. My grandmother also on my father's side, really smart woman. I, I took so much from their experience, but they were all very much dedicated to to supporting and staying in touch with family. And so the pandemic happened, and. Well, a couple of things happened before the pandemic. I, I came home to visit after um, being away for two years, not being able to visit for a couple of years um, in 2019. And you know, I just 
I think I, I missed some of the, the cultural aspects of the U.S. that you just can't find around the world. The personal touches, uh, the, the concept of customer service, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just don't get that in Germany. I mean, that's one of those things that I think is a comfort of mine that I, I really missed. With all of the things that I was teaching, I also felt that I was not really able to help. There were a lot of challenges with the criminal justice system and a lot of issues that I'm presenting. I'm like, I want to, I really want to be a part of that work. And I'm very much a volunteer focused person, a community service focused person. So I really felt this strong draw towards coming back to, to be a part of some of the movements and some of the work, especially in the criminal justice system that was happening in the U.S. And, and then the other thing is I, I also just missed business. I missed the American style of doing business, the relationship building, the um, <clears throat> free food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, with networking and cocktail events and dressing up and going out on the town, you know, of course, all of these things could could be done somewhere in Germany, but Freiburg just doesn't have that similar culture, especially if you're over 30. (laughs) I mean, it's very much a college town. And so came back in 2019. I came back for a wedding and then I found out my best friend was having twins after having two adult children. And then, you know, came to spend time with my mom and then the pandemic happened and we got stuck here. And you know, my next move was going to go was was going to be Colombia. I wasn't going to come back permanently to the US, but I was like, well, maybe I'll try to figure out a way to live in, you know, another country and 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 come back and visit. So I started to work in in that area and it just didn't pan out. The pandemic happened. I think I was reaching a period of burnout, which is very, very real because after going through a very strenuous doctoral experience, um, writing a thesis, being in a PhD program or not a doctoral program, not a PhD program, but getting through um, high school with my daughter and you know, not really taking a vacation in almost five and a half years. I think I was just tired and I needed a change and I needed just a break from everything to figure out if I was moving in the right direction. And I'm an artist at heart, so everything looks good to me. I can find the beauty in everything, (laughs) but I can't be all things professionally, especially as it relates to a job. So, Isn't that the worst thing about life? Just that fact, that simple fact, you can't be everything. I can't be everything I want to be. You can be anything you want to be, but you can't be everything you want to be. Right. And I'm totally greedy. I'm like, I would like to be anything and also everything. (laughs) Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) When When I got stuck in the pandemic, my daughter and I came to the U.S. to visit, I think it was like March 2nd. And then March 16th, the borders closed and we didn't make it back to Freiburg until May 7th. Wow. During that time, I fell in love with a couple of different things. I had already fallen in love with a guy um, (laughs) when I visited in 2019 and we had been dating long distance. I fell in love with my twins, my twin godchildren. And I, you know, fell in love just back into that that comfort or just even building a new relationship with my mom. And I fell back in love with the city of Indianapolis. Like, I wouldn't say back in love, but I did fall in love with the city in a way because I was able to see it from a new perspective. Things had changed a lot. There was a lot of development. There were so many 
artists and cultural curators coming uh, to the forefront in ways that I had never seen in the city. And it was just a new energy. And I already have a house here. It was my grandmother's house. And she left that to me when I was in school. So yeah, it, it was it was not easy because I did not want to leave Nyla at all. She's my best friend. We had so many moments together and we had really been through the trenches of life together. Um, but at the same time, she was an adult and she needed space. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew if I stayed, I couldn't give her that space. But then also I was looking for a place that I felt wanted and included. And it wasn't that I didn't feel that way in Freiburg. It was just that it some days it just felt like I was allowed to stay, you know, like, all right, mm-hmm. you're here. But there was no real place where I felt like like home, like I belonged. And and I was looking for that. And so uh, I thought coming back to the U.S., I love networking. I love relationship building. I love business. I love creativity. I love media, music and all of those things that I could easily access in the U.S. because I was familiar. And I thought that is probably what I needed to take me into the next chapter. And so that, that's what happened. I came back again. It was the hardest thing um, because I <laughs> came back in December of 2020. I was unemployed, an empty nester, and a doctoral student, like at the end of my doctoral <laughs> oh, program. No. So it, if it wasn't for my sister's dogs, <laughs> oh. I would have not, not made it through those days. Every reason that I thought was important became the reality. I I got this great job working with a a law firm and a great team where, like, I felt wanted. I'm working with some of the coolest attorneys, laid-back attorneys, but also hardworking attorneys that I've ever met in my life. Um, I have a, a great husband. I miss my daughter tremendously. But at the same time, we've been able to stay connected because, you know, technology. So we still talk every single day. And yeah, so I, I'm, I'm just building this second second chapter of, of my life. Or no, this is more like the fifth, sixth chapter at yeah. this point. <laughs> so many different things. So yes, the next chapter of my life here in the U.S. We, we have to wrap up in a minute, but I just have one last burning question. If you had to predict right now, do you see another move abroad in your future? I can see it happening. I could definitely see it happening. So my my practice is intellectual property, data privacy and security, and corporate law. And uh, that's worldwide. And I cannot sit still. So <laughs> I don't I don't doubt that I'm gonna be chasing the next experience in the next country. And, and putting it out there, I, I want to go abroad again. It's not that I, I, I want to stay here. I definitely want to make sure everything is, is taken care of here. Yeah, the world is so huge. And there are places that I've never been and places that I've been that I want to continue learning from. And I think that's just not only because I just I just want to. I, I just feel like it, it's made me a much better person being open to new cultures and the scariness of living abroad. If I didn't have to deal with something like the burger out or the <laughs> immigration office in another country, 
I don't think I would have the same level of, of confidence as it relates to certain areas of my life because you, you have to be so vulnerable being in another country. And then you have to really be resilient to stay and be a part of a different society where you don't speak the language and a lot of people don't look like you. So it's just made me a better person. And I want, I, I definitely want to continue seeing what that's like in different parts of the world. But I also want to be able to help other people gain that experience as well. So <clears throat> um, a lot of my work in, in the U.S. does that. So I'm on a couple of boards and working with a few organizations that's focused on, like, for example, the International Center I'm on the board for. Um, they they help companies and individuals and professionals and people who want to know what it's like to work internationally, they do that. I'm working with this great nonprofit, Youth Global Perspectives, that takes um, kids who otherwise can't afford it to different countries. They take kids from neighborhoods like the one I grew up in to Cuba and to Spain, and they're going to go to Ghana, and I'm you know, trying to support them as much as I can. And I'm on the Indiana German Heritage Society board. So, you know, I'm always trying to stay connected to that international experience. And and I think one day it's just going to lead me to the next country and the the next experience. Well, if history has anything to show for it, when you're ready, you'll know it and you'll have a path forward because you've shown time and time again an ability to, yeah, just tweak things in the right way that sets you up for the right next step, whatever that might be. So I'll be excited to hear <laughs> whatever that whatever that turns into, whenever that turns into. And yeah, I definitely, I feel you as a fellow person attempting to live every possible life within the single one we've been giving. <laughs> I'm excited to see which ones you get around to. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to add, like people like you, people like all the Americans that I met at the uh, Carl Schultz house, even those who are not American, like all of the expats that I met abroad continue to motivate me to do these things because you guys hung in there even longer than I did. Um, <laughs> especially like your story, becoming a librarian in Germany, you know, like yeah. that's absolutely amazing. And I know it's possible. It's possible for a lot of people. And if I could just do more of that in some way, you know, I'm open for it. I'm ready. It's time to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Yep. First off, what is your favorite grocery store of Germany? Rewe. Ooh, okay. And number two, what is your favorite grocery store in the U.S.? Ooh, that's a good one. Kroger for right now. Nice. Okay. Okay. Respect. Yeah. And last time I saw you, we we very wonderfully ran into each other on the Munsterplatz, like the main square in Freiburg. And if I'm not mistaken, you were showing your husband around your old home. So what is one of the top things that you were like, okay, when we go to Freiburg, you have to see or eat or experience this? Mündenhof. Mindenhof ah. is one of my favorite places in Freiburg. You know, it's a free zoo. Yeah, and it's so different. Too. It's not just like the tiny little cages. It's like no. different animals cohabitating in these big open yeah. fields. And It's a proper zoo. And yeah. you can just take your bike yeah. and just roll around it. And we had a great time there. Like 
we just napped in one part of it. <laughs> and, and, and um, you know, it was a, it was a favorite place of for for me and Nyla to go. Um, you know, having a hard time, and I think there's God, there's got to be some research about this. Just being around animals, yeah, really helps. Yeah, for um, sure. Animals are very calming, and the fact that this free zoo exists, I think, is probably one of the major wins for Freiburg. That's such a good answer. Oh, man. Okay, good. Now it's time to just let you go and say thank you so very much for this conversation. I think I'm I'm so lucky to know you. I really respect and admire you. And I think Freiburg is so lucky to have had you for as long as, as it did. And now Indianapolis is the lucky one. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for everything you've done. And, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I really love the show and what you're doing and just keep doing it. It's needed. Thanks one more time to Esther for coming on to the show. Listeners, if you liked this episode, you can please leave it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app of choice. Share it with a friend. These are all the top ways that you can help me out to make this podcast grow. And it always brightens my day or honestly my entire week whenever I get a new one. While you're at it, make sure you're following me on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast. And you can check out my website at theexpatcast.com. As always, I want to thank Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. I'm back on your feeds on Thursday when we are heading up to Berlin. I feel like Berlin is a city full of millions of people who all have very specific and interesting experiences of how they got there, what their lives are like. It's really a city of individuals. And on Thursday, you'll get to hear from one of those individuals. Till then, have a wonderful week and stay healthy. Bis dann. Tschüss.